Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here, you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray that you are inspired by their teachings. Well, good morning. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, uh, my name is John and uh, I'm the only pastor left. Pastor Dale is gone, as many of you probably saw online. Uh, He is in a much warmer place. I've got some videos coming up. And then yesterday at 3 a.m., I sent Pastor David to that much warmer place with another handful of guys from our church. And I thought I'd share with you just a quick little update to get started today, um, just to show you what our men are doing in Puerto Rico. They have been working really hard. And I think some images are going to come up on the screen here with me. This is the church that they arrived at with Pastor Dale. And as I looked at that picture, the roof has completely been removed and blown off from storm years and years now. Man, it was a reminder how blessed we are, isn't it? To be in here today, in the facility we have, and here we've gone through this remodel, and it looks great, but my goodness, we are blessed. There's some of our guys there, and they've been working through that. Pastor Dale has a picture of some of those men. A couple have arrived back. I'm sure they're getting some well-needed rest uh, this morning. But I want to tell you, uh, they've had some, some interesting moments. Mission trips don't always go as planned. Do you know that? If you've been on them, you do. They had this little video, I want to share it with you here of some guys. That looks pretty fun. Get a jackhammer, get on a concrete roof and start chipping away, right? Things don't always go as planned, folks. And uh, in the midst of that jackhammer, they discovered apparently in Puerto Rico, sometimes they put water lines through the ceiling. And uh, one of the guys decided to offer up the renaming of this church to Cascadia Agua Church of the Nazarene, meaning waterfall. Um, We hit the pipeline, created a little pool. I don't know if they were motivated by last week's baptism service, but Thankfully, we had the right guys down there to fix the job. They've been working so hard, and uh, I'm going to ask that you continue to pray for those men, pray for our pastors as they're down there. And uh, I want to tell you, if you didn't get to view last week's celebration service, I'm still celebrating the lives that have been changed through that. What a joy that is. Check it out online or on YouTube if you didn't get to view that together. But we're in the middle of a series called Restore. Restore. And we've been looking at the story of Nehemiah and uh, before that, even the story of Ezra. And so last week, Pastor Dale had a great visual for us looking at the ability for everyone, everybody say everyone, You remember that, everyone to be a part of what God is doing and reaching out, not just these men in in Puerto Rico, but to the people in our community. And that is the rallying cry of this fill the truck. Everyone has a role. And that came from the study of Nehemiah chapter three. For those of you who've not been a part of this series yet, Nehemiah is joining us here as a guy who's been called by God and appointed by the king to go forward back to Jerusalem 
and rebuild the city wall, the fortress around the city of Jerusalem. He's been commissioned, he's been sent, and he has been a guy who has been very meticulous in planning and preparation of constructing this wall. And he, as a leader, has rallied everyone around. In fact, we find everyone, men, women, even their children, families are stationed side by side, intentionally placed one to the next, regardless of your occupation or your skill level, they have been positioned to help rebuild this wall. And so we get into Nehemiah chapter four, and we find that the story picks up here with some people who are living outside of Jerusalem that are opposing the rebuilding of this wall, that are opposing the work that Nehemiah is leading the people to. So I'm gonna ask, as we read this today, will you stand in the reverence for God's word together this morning? Join me in Nehemiah chapter four. We're gonna start at verse six And it'll come up on the screen. I'm going to read it for you, but follow along if you will, please. It says, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city. For the people had worked with enthusiasm. Halfway through, they were very enthusiastic. Verse 7 says, but then Sambalah and Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites and the Asadites, heard as the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Verse 10, then the people of Judah began to complain The workers are getting tired and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So here's what Nehemiah does in verse 13. He says, so I placed army guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families. I armed them with swords and spears and bows. Catch this last verse here, verse 14. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, do not be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. 15 says, when our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, may you bless the reading of your word. May you help us as we dig in today and find the areas that you're trying to restore in our own life. May we not be discouraged by the outside influences, the inside voices, God, but may we be focused on you and your truth as you are great and glorious. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Do you know that feeling when you're starting a project, maybe a home repair project, maybe something that's been on your honey-do list. And at the start of every project, oftentimes you're envisioning what the end result is going to be, right? And I have found that 
There is a variance between what women do to view the end result and how men view the process of the progress in the project that they're going after. For example, uh, my wife, she will look at a picture uh, in a magazine or on Instagram and and she'll watch something on HGTV and she'll get this vision of what it's going to look like. And and she has this great enthusiasm for the both of us to really envision what she is picturing to happen in our house. And then when she shares that with me, oftentimes I look at it a little differently. You see, men evaluate the length of time for every project. Now, some of you are thinking the length of time that it's going to take, but uh, you're wrong. You see, men, we evaluate not the length of time the project's going to take, but rather when we complete the project, the length of time I'm going to get off from have to doing the next project. So when I tell my wife, yep, this is looking like a two to three monther, probably four or five trips to Home Depot, she said, really, it's gonna take two to three months to fix the furnace vent? It's really gonna take two to three months to change a light bulb? Two to three months to change the little paper roll that is left next to the toilet? I'm sure we have very similar DIY projects. I said, yes, if I complete that, I'll be back on the job in two to three months. We view things differently, don't we? And while the enthusiasm of the moment, like, okay, he's caught on, he understands the vision, the enthusiasm you have at the start of a project can tend to wane as you move forward with the project, doesn't it? Like the early stages are fine. You set out all your tools, you get all the items in place, you purchase the materials, and you start digging into it a little bit. And then once you get started, you realize, oh, I don't have this, or I need to go buy that, or I should have looked into this before I took that off, and now we're gonna rebuild. And the process oftentimes starts to eliminate your enthusiasm for the job, right? And that's what's happening here for Nehemiah. He has the people working together to rebuild the wall. And it says in verse 6 that there's great enthusiasm as they're starting to see the building blocks come together in the building of this wall. And once it gets to the halfway point, people are seeing the progress and the excitement is there. But then it tells us that not only are the workers starting to see the progress, but so are their opposition around them. You see, they didn't notice when the ground was level or a few rocks were starting to be positioned. It didn't really catch their attention as the families had gone out in the first couple weeks. But now that they had been at this for over three weeks and the wall was visible from a distance, everyone around started to have an opinion about it. And the workers in verse 10 are described as saying they start to get tired. Their reach has to get a little higher. Their creativity, the work of lifting a rock a little bit more to build is getting a little more exhausting the higher up they go with this wall. You know, maybe that's relatable for some of us in our life today. Maybe for some of you as we've been evaluating the concept to start the year of to restore 
You've looked at areas in your life that you want to restore something. Maybe for some of you, you're trying to restore a relationship that you've lost. And so while it was difficult to get the first text out or to have the first conversation, that was all surface level. It was easy. But as you've tried to dig deeper, those conversations have gotten harder. And maybe your enthusiasm to pursue that hasn't been as strong. Or maybe for some of you, you've been in some New Year's resolutions, and while it was easy to post the photo of you on the treadmill for day one, or some of your results of the initial weight loss at the beginning were good, easy to see, as you've pushed forward now, and you've gotten, gotten to the point where other people start to view it and see what you're doing, it's become a little more difficult to be motivated to continue. Maybe for some of you, what you've been called to restore is your faith. Maybe for some of you, the Lord has called you to restore your faith, to pursue the elements of what you believe a little bit deeper, to dig into his word, to read or pray a little more consistently. Maybe it's called you to own your faith a little more publicly, a little more public display. And those around you didn't notice when you'd gone to church once or twice and you missed out on the other Sunday morning activities or maybe the Wednesday night class that you've been attending or bringing your kids to experience. They recognize the change in your pattern, the change in your priorities, and now they're at the point that the people around you are starting to voice a little bit in opposition of the changes you've been making to better yourself. To respond to the call, let me tell you something. When God has your attention, other things don't. And those other things start to notice and will speak up and complain. Do you know that? When the Lord helps you restore something in your life, he has to be the priority and when he's the priority, something else isn't. And whatever it was that used to be the priority in your life is gonna be affected and oftentimes gonna raise some opposition. So Nehemiah, as a leader here, has a method for success, and he always starts with prayer. Next week, Pastor David's gonna dig in to Nehemiah's prayers. But he's three weeks into this job, 26 days. He's at the halfway point into this, and there's been many books and studies that have looked at the life of Nehemiah as a man in leadership, a man who was able to rally around a group of people to pursue God's calling and to take action. Because you see, he doesn't just go and pray about it and ask God to make it easier. The challenge doesn't change because it got difficult. Do you know that? Oh man, that just hit me. I, don't, I didn't even have that in my notes. Hold on. The challenge doesn't change just because it got difficult. What God has called you to wasn't an easy walk. The steps that you're called to take in your faith aren't always easy baby steps. There's some that are gonna challenge you, that are gonna stretch you. There's some that are gonna push you out of your comfort zone. There's some steps you're gonna be called to take in your life that other people don't want you to go that direction. So as you start going that direction, they're going to try to stop you, to call you back to where you came from, and you have to decide, am I comfortable continuing to pursue 
and restore what God is leading me to or should I return? That's all free. I didn't even have that in the books. <laughs> and something happens here. Something happens because we've all been in the midst. We're halfway into a task. It feels tedious. We feel bogged down. We find ourselves in the lull and we have to push forward. And this is where we establish something called the Nehemiah principle. Say that with me, Nehemiah principle. The Nehemiah principle is that for those who are pursuing something, oftentimes those in leadership, his principle is that at the 26-day mark or your halfway point, you need to have reminders of what it is God has called you to do. You need to bring it before the people that you're leading of what it is you're aspiring to complete, what goal you have, what progress you've made, and what work there is still to do. The Nehemiah principle is to put it back in front of people. This is what God has called us to. This is what we're doing together. And so he puts a plan in place. We read it in verses 13 and 14. It's gonna come back on the screen. I wanna read it with you. This is how Nehemiah attacks the law in their work. He says, so I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to guard by families. Remember that. Armed with swords, spears, and bows. Verse 14, he says, Then I looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said to them, Do not be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Nehemiah says, it's been 26 days. This has been tedious. We've been working on it. And now that we're at the halfway point, people are starting to notice. Not only is there opposition to what we're doing growing around us, but we find in verse 10 that the workers themselves start to doubt and question and tell of their fatigue and the task that they're doing. You see, the enemy we're gonna look at in a later sermon in this series, he is so content to stop you in your work and relationship to move forward with what the Lord is calling you, he will bring opposition around you. And when the opposition around you doesn't stop you, he will start to attack you from the inside. He will start to attack those that have been on your side, those that have been encouraging you. He will start to attack your thoughts, your doubts, and your motives for doing that. And so in that moment, you need to be reminded, as Nehemiah does, of this Nehemiah principle to pause, to refocus on the Lord and what task you have before you is divinely appointed just for you. I wish a few people were awake this morning to hear this. Some of you need to write it down. Some of you need to remember. Some of you need the reminders of the things that you're going through. When I was uh, in grade school, and I don't remember my age, um, I remember waking up early, probably around 5 a.m., 
And I was at the top of the stairs and I looked down the stairs and I see my dad getting his coat on and keys together and he's making his way out the door. You see, my dad, uh, he worked in Springfield. And so he would drive an hour one way every day. And he would drive every day and work in Springfield and hit my mom and my dad had made the choice that he would commit to doing that back and forth trips so that our family could grow up here and be a part of this community. And so in the midst of that, as I'm growing up, I remember looking down and I just looked down at my dad and I said, hey dad, thank you so much for driving to Springfield so that we can grow up here in Grove City. I, I was probably half asleep, you know. But I just said that, I put that out there. And for 30 years, my dad has driven, and because he's an engineer, he's calculated how many miles around the earth he could have traveled back and forth. But in the midst of that task every single day, a moment from the top of the stairs came of a reminder of why you're doing this. And it was for us. And so my dad's last day of work is tomorrow. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. He's still going to wake up early, though. Do you know that? He's got to take me to the airport to go to Puerto Rico. He doesn't even get to sleep in on his first day. But it's worth it. I'm not sure what you're going through, and I don't know all the tasks that you personally may be required to complete. I don't know the grind of your life, but I wanna tell you something. If you're pursuing what God has called you to, it's worth it. It's worth it. And maybe, just maybe, today, as we look at this in the middle of our series, in the middle of this story, that this service, online, in person, a reminder later in the week, could be the point for you to recognize that what you're going through, God is still calling you to. Where you're at in the midst of this process for your life, what you're trying to restore, is going to be worth it. And maybe I could help be a rallying voice like Nehemiah was to encourage you this morning to keep going. Because God is calling you to something better, more grand, and maybe even just miraculous in your life. You know, the last time I preached, it was at the beginning of December. I'm sure you all remember it well. <laughs> I do. I shared a photo of one of the couples we love here in our church. And I shared it as a reminder of Karen and Kevin and telling the story of how God had shown up. Kevin was supposed to go in. They found a mass on his kidney. And Carrie, or Karen had rallied people around. And we prayed together Tuesday in the staff meeting for his appointment the next day. And wouldn't you know, God showed up. The doctor came in and said, we can't explain it. We don't know why. But the tumor is gone. You don't need to meet with us anymore. And the doctor looked at the other medical staff in there and said, listen, they're really crazy about their God. We don't have all the reasons for why, how he's worked, but he's done this for Kevin before. I shared that story. 
And I felt led in that moment. And we had a time of prayer. Do you remember that? We had a time of prayer for healing. And maybe there were some miraculous things that God wanted to do in and through the life of our church and in your life as well. Folks, in the last two months, I can't count all the miracles that I have been hearing. And I apologize, there's been some I forgot. But for example, this one right here, this next picture comes to, comes to mind. This is Martha here, pictured with her daughter, Lindsay. Martha came up to me at one of our Christmas Eve services. She said, Pastor John, during that service, I felt so pressed to pray. You see, I have an uncle who was told five years ago that his condition was so severe, he was going to be given one year to live five years ago. And he's made it through, and we've seen that work, and yet here he is again facing another appointment. The doctors have called him in, and they said, your lungs are full. We believe there's tumors. We need you to come in and get a scan, and it appears to be cancer. And she said, John, in that service, I felt so pressed to pray. Like the first thing that Nehemiah does in every one of these moments is go before the Lord and pray. She said, I prayed and I called my aunt and I let her know that the service we had and how I needed to be reminded of how great and glorious God is. And I prayed. He went to his appointment Tuesday and they said, we don't understand. We can't explain it, but his lungs just have an infection. He's going to be fine. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Or how about this picture? This picture right here is Twinkle. Her name is Twinkle, Shaki. Twinkle runs a ministry here in Columbus called Moms to Be, where she rallies around moms who oftentimes are having an unexpected pregnancy. She gathers materials and items. She helps coach them through their pregnancies and help them position to receiving this baby. She said, John, on a good day, I'll get maybe one donation that'll come through. But she said, I was in the back working as a greeter and I felt so impressed to start praying because I was going into the holiday season and I had a long list of moms. I didn't have enough material for every single one of them. So I recognized how great and glorious God is and I needed to pray. She said, I can't explain it. It's not normal, but Monday morning, every half hour, almost on the half hour, a car showed up with open trunks, and I got so many supplies to help carry me through the holiday season. It was a miracle. I think, wow, that's incredible, man. God is moving and working. And we sang today that this is a house of miracles. And I don't know what miracle you need in your life. I don't know how you need God to show up, what he needs to restore, or what your plan is going forward. But I want to encourage you first to pray about it. And then I want to encourage you what verse 13 and 14 say. It's to grab a tool and fight for it. Fight for it. Last week, I was invited over by a young couple in our church. You many will recognize their faces in the Corbett's. Ben, Brittany, and Case right there, man, he is so cute. Case was one of our future star basketball players, three and four-year-olds. And in the next picture, you'll see Ben, his dad, was the coach. Case had so many fans there, he didn't even need to get on the floor. He was content just sitting on the side. 
His dad would try to encourage him, come on kids, come out here. And in the middle of our season in December, we got news that they were expecting their next child. Brittany was pregnant. And that was really a celebration. But they also found out in the midst of that, that her cancer had returned. And you see in this next photo, it's not the first time Brittany's gone through this. She's been through this before. And while it's not her first time going through it, can I remind you quickly, it's not God's either. And so she's been having some side effects of being pregnant and the treatment she's been able to get, it's causing her to cough a lot, really uncomfortable. She's not getting the rest that she needs on a daily basis. So we went over and guess what we did? We prayed. We prayed that the Lord would protect this young life. The Lord would give her the strength. He would give Case all the energy and bring joy into that home that he would give Ben the time off that he needs, the words to say, and the comfort to provide for his family. And in that moment, as I'm sitting next to Brittany, she can't even stand because she's just fatigued at that moment. She says, I recognize if I'm going through this, I've got to share where my hope is coming from, and that's from the Lord. I've got to make him known as I go through this. So they put this plan together and they said, I'm going to, I'm going to fight. And she's championed this fight before. Look at this photo. She's used it as an encouragement to others that she's going to fight. And this was from her previous bout. And so they said, well, what can we do? We need to call other people to pray. Just as Nehemiah rounds up the nobles and all the people to remind them of how great and glorious God is. They rounded up people in a fun way. They put up this map that you're gonna see and they asked for prayer warriors to show up. And wouldn't you know, they got responses from all 50 states. The people who are specifically gonna be praying for the Corbett's. And then they had another map with the counties in Ohio. And then they had another map of the countries of the globe highlighted in different places where people were stepping up. And this week I got to tell them you can add Puerto Rico to your map because there's people there this week that are praying for you. But we want to fight with you also. Nehemiah instructs them. He says, you need to fight for your brothers, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives. He says, fight for your homes. I wanna invite you to stand with me this morning. You probably didn't come in today thinking I'm gonna hear a rallying call about fighting. But you did probably come in here today with something worth fighting for something in your life that you have asked the Lord to restore, a relationship in your marriage. Folks, you didn't sign up to go through this halfway. Fight for your spouse. Fight for your marriage. It's worth it in the end. Remember the picture you had when you're standing at the altar together and fight for that because you remember who was standing beside you. 
when you were in that moment from the beginning. Some of you need to fight for your sons and your daughters. Some of you need a miracle for them to return to the Lord. Some of you today need to not be okay with just letting them go out and about. And I know I don't have teenage sons, and this is not coming from me, but the Lord pressed on me driving to church this morning to say this. Some of you have some young kids still in your home who are going out and about and experiencing the world, and you need to say, our job as a church, our job as a family is to come together and work on this. No longer am I okay with you not joining in the family work. Some of us today need to say, I am in a house of miracles. I've seen God work in my life in the past. I'm going to believe that he's going to help me through this now. And I'm going to press forward in building this wall around my home. Can we worship together today in a moment of praise and prayer and ask him to do what he's done before? Can we learn something from Nehemiah? For some of you today in here or watching online, you have not made this commitment to Jesus and you need to restore that relationship with him. If that's you today, I want you to pray with me. I want everyone to pray with me today. Heavenly Father, Jesus, I recognize that I need to refocus my life on you. I pray that you will help me restore my relationship. I receive you, Jesus. As my Lord and Savior, I believe that you died on the cross for me, and I believe you have a plan for my life. Lord, I pray that you will send your Holy Spirit to that person right now, that they will embolden them and strengthen them throughout the week from the opposition around them, from the opposition in their own life, God, that you will give them the power to step forward. We pray this and believe this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Well, I want to have a moment of worship here today, but if you prayed that this morning, we've got a gift for you. You don't have to do life alone here, folks. We've got the tools to help you move your next step forward in your faith. I'll meet you down here after the service online. You can click the I said yes, and we will connect with you that way. But let's take a moment and worship and be grateful that we're in such a beautiful facility, worshiping such a great and glorious God in the house of miracles. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.